Trainer. Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. We have a uh, Nikki here hanging out hey. in the studio. Hello. Amazing. <laughs> Hello, beautiful human. Thank you uh, oh. for being here. Dan's here too. Yep. Let's not forget him. Hello. Hello. You're talking about Indonesia. That is where you grew up. That is indeed where I grew up, yes. What do you learn about music in Indonesia? Everything you know today? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had a pretty unique upbringing back home. Like, so my mom sang at church and she, I just kind of grew up with in this like super musical Christian community. Everybody like played music and that's kind of how I just like got exposed to music. So it's always been like a familiar concept to me. Um, yeah, but then like there was also like American television that I was like exposed to and like Disney Channel and all that. So, um, you like Hannah Montana? Oh, yeah, dude. Honestly, that final episode really killed me. But. <laughs> was there an artist for you that kind of showed you that you could do this too? No. On, I mean, like, no, if you're asking if there was an Asian person, like a household Asian huh? name that I grew up, like, looking up to, there really wasn't, like, in all honesty. So... Yeah, but I mean, I looked up to, like, the pop. Like, my mom was a huge R&B fan, so, like, I listened to all the crazy divas like Whitney and Mariah and all those guys. But is that motivation for you to get there and to represent a community and a culture that uh, clearly in your life you didn't have that? Absolutely. Like, when I started out, I... Obviously, everybody starts out doing whatever they're passionate about because they're passionate about it. Like, I did... I started music because, because I love music. But as this journey kind of like has gone on, I've really sort of adopted a social responsibility that comes along with it. Um, yeah, dude, I just like, I want little girls out there to like see me and be like, oh, she looks like me and like feel represented because that hasn't really been, you know, a thing in the past. You said at the Head in the Clouds Festival, you yeah. addressed the crowd, you said, I just want to say as an Asian female, I do not take this day and this stage for granted. Mm -hmm. My hope is that above any, everything else today, that you feel heard, mm -hmm. you feel understood, but most of all, that you feel represented. Yep. Is that, when it's, when you, when you choose to carry that weight or carry that torch. Yeah. How, is that an easy decision for you to make? I mean, yeah, like, it kind of, it kind of just like. I don't know if it was like a decision. I mean, yes, obviously I, I've i put it upon myself to like represent, you know, Asians and whatnot. But yeah, it just kind of was like a gradual, just like a, I, I see it more as like an opportunity really than anything. I just feel like I've gradually come to this like, it was more of a revelation than anything, than like a decision. I was like, oh, like this is where, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. These are the people that I have to represent. And it was just, of course, like, but yeah, you know, on the flip side, there's always two sides to a coin. And it's like, obviously, in all honesty, like, I'm still human. And it's a lot of pressure to like, yeah. you know, just make sure that I say the right things or like I, you know, represent things properly. Because dude, Asia in general is so freaking like diverse. I was gonna, uh, I forgot that I can swear. So like, Anyway, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> but um, it's like so diverse. And obviously, like I 
represent a small, you know, subregion of this whole ass continent. But yeah, I'm just like I'm I just feel really grateful that I that I even have this like platform to like represent people, you know? Why why do you think it's been so hard for Asian artists to break into America? Dude, oh, honestly, we could get into that. I have I have this question all the time. And honestly, I don't have the answer, but like if we're going to get like sociological and anthropological and whatever. Um, (laughs) I think that's the only way. You know, um, I think for whatever reason, it might be because, at least in the U.S., but here's the thing, I'm not American. And I need to clarify that because a lot of people still think that I'm like Asian American. I'm not. I'm Asian. Like, I was not born in the States. I moved here in 2017 to go to college. Hella recently. Hella recently. So... Yeah, like, I can't speak for Asian Americans, but, like, I think that maybe it has something to do with the fact that the Asian minority has just kind of, like, it's it's relatively new compared to other minorities. So I think there's still this, like, like sociological otherness, like, when it comes to Asian... Like, you would never ask, like, another minority, like, where are you really from? You know what I'm saying? If they say, like... Where, if you ask them, like, where are you from? Oh, Texas. Cool. You know, like, that's it. <laughs> but for some reason, like, there's still that inkling and the inclination to, like, ask an Asian, like, but, like, where are you, like, really from? Like, where are your parents from? You know, it's, like, very interesting. And I don't have the answers. But it's just, like, there's still that, like, otherness. I don't know. Maybe geographically, like, it, isn't Asia, like, the farthest away from the U.S.? I don't know. There's just, like, all these <laughs> theories that I have. But like the, the the more I do end up thinking about it, like some of the biggest artists that we've seen that are Asian, yeah, they've come directly from Asia. They they haven't been Asian American, right? Right? Yeah, it's been it's really it's really interesting. Honestly, I don't know. I and I'm still that's part of like my my journey and my mission too. As like like doing this, I just feel like I'm still navig I'm navigating everything as I go, and. I think, like, the most important thing with a movement like this is just to be, like, as transparent and as authentic as you can possibly be. Like, right now, I'm not sitting here acting like I can, like, rep all the Asians every. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, I'm limited to my experiences and how I grew up and my perspective. But, dude, I just feel like this is a really, just, like, a great time. Like, I just feel like... Things are moving in a very positive direction. What sparks that movement? Is there any one thing? Is there, like, even for you to move here in 2017? Yeah, I honestly, I don't know. Maybe I think, like, with the internet and social media, I think, like, people are just starting to get heard. Like, people are just starting to speak up. Because now there's a platform to do that. And the world is shrinking. It's just, like... Everyone is low key, like, like culture is starting to just get like homogenized, you know, like to a certain degree, not in a bad way. I just feel like now there's more awareness cross-culturally. And so like people just know things, you know, access to more information than we've ever had before. Facts. We have access to communities that never existed before. Absolutely. So not only do artists and individuals who want to create create art and be public feel heard their fans have the ability to feel heard too and speak loudly absolutely it's like the internet is one of the biggest blessings 
will ever know is yeah, hum- the biggest curses. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But that's it's a double edged sword. But isn't that everything? It's all of life. Something that is so incredible and yields so much power, right? Can't exist without having dark elements to it. Absolutely, and that is social media and the internet. And like, but hey, like now it's brought light to us, and just like. Dude, the fact that, like, Charles Melton, like, he's, you know, like, he's Asian, he's part Asian, and he's, like, playing the jock in Riverdale, <laughs> like, that's tight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's not, that hasn't been a thing. I don't know if you've seen Good Boys. Have you seen Good Boys? Yes, I have. Oh, you, my God. The, yeah. The, Soren, fuck. like, that little kid. So cool. He's so cool, and they made him Asian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and his and, sister's beautiful. No, exactly. And it's just kind of like, this is tight. This is moving in a very solid direction. Hey, beautiful human, real quick. I want to talk about bags. I've been a backpack guy forever, and then I found Daniel's leather briefcase. This thing is quality because one bag at a time, they're turning boys like me into men. And seriously, my my backpack started to get embarrassing. There's like holes in it, and when I wear it, I do look like a kid. But I loved it. But now I I have a new love. Daniel's leather briefcase. They're really, they're really perfect. They look sharp. They're quality. And the best part, you can afford it. This is the bag that like you can get at any stage in your life. But when you land that big gig, you're going to look freaking awesome. By cutting out the middleman selling directly to you, Daniels is able to offer high-quality luxury leather briefcases at an incredibly reasonable price. Just $195. I know, $195. It sounds expensive. But compared to a luxury brand briefcase... They start at like $500. They're freaking ridiculous. The leather is really high quality. My dog Lou tried to chew on it the other day. His teeth did not work. Plus, I love all of the facets and the clamps. One of my big fears with bags is that stuff is going to fall out. But when I use my briefcase, I don't have that fear because the magnets and the zippers, the, uh, the hooks, quality hooks, I promise you. Oh, by the way. They also offer free shipping, and I'll give you $25 off if you want to try them out. DanielsBriefcaseNYC.com if you want to take a look at some of their styles. Use the promo code Zach at checkout. You're going to get 25 bucks off one of their leather briefcases, plus free shipping. DanielsNYC.com, promo code Zach, 25 bucks off a high-quality handcrafted item, a beautiful leather briefcase. DanielsNYC.com. Okay, back to our convo. And okay, so what tells you, I feel like you've had this yearning for America from a very early age, and I think it's very much reflected in your music, from Mm -hmm. La Cienega to Anaheim. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've written entire songs dedicated to this place. Yeah. Please tell me what you see here that I am blind (laughs) to as someone who's been coming back and forth and lived here for the last five years. Dude, honestly, like, um, it's not really, it's okay. Starting out, it really wasn't that deep. Like, here's the thing. My upbringing in Indonesia was very interesting. And it's not, It's it was very unorthodox. Like, okay, so first of all, Indonesia is not an English-speaking country. It Everybody speaks Bahasa Indonesia. And so, like, the fact that I even had access to, like, an education where, like, I was exposed to, you know, Americanness and, like, English. Like, that's, that's not normal? common. That's not normal. So why'd you have it in... I mean, my, a deeper question as to why others don't, but why did you have access? Well, I was fortunate, like, honestly, like, I was just really fortunate enough that my parents just were was a, were able to afford that. Yeah. Like, because private schools back home are just, like, this whole, 
it's this whole thing, and this this whole conversation would take three hours just to even talk about that. But like, yeah, I spoke both languages um, growing up, and my fam, like my parents in particular, just really were super into the arts, and they loved like movies. We like watched a movie every night. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Like growing up. And my mom loved Disney, and she exposed me to all of that. So, like, I just kind of developed this, like, awareness for American culture. And so, it just, like, I don't know. I I honestly didn't really think twice about it. I was just, like, it made sense. Also, because, like, America has just been the global superpower for, like, forever. Everybody looks to it. Yeah, and everybody writes songs in English. And it just, you know, it's just kind of, like, it's the most pervasive like language you know throughout the world so that's kind of just it wasn't that deep honestly i wrote a song called anaheim because it rhymed with time (laughs) and i was like all right sick like stop you know what i'm saying like people are always like oh and i'm just like no it just rhymed sometimes that's all songwriting is really like yeah obviously there's a lot of like artistic expression and catharsis and all these things, but sometimes it's just like what rhymes with what, and that was one of those cases. <laughs> so but you, still, you still brought forth a story, sure, yeah, and it was still woven and written with authenticity, totally, and truth. Yeah. Also, Anaheim houses Disneyland, and yes. that was kind of the whole premise. Was like, I just wanted to talk about like, oh, how cute would it be to like. Go on a date in like Disneyland, you know. Have you gone yet? To Disneyland? Oh yeah. On no. a date? No. Oh. Sorry. No. Um, I just feel like now it's kinda like I'd be a walking cliche if I did that. <laughs> like I you don't, I don't know. You don't want to live the lyrics after they've already been released? No. You just live them before. Yeah, I don't wanna like relive you know, I, I like, you know what? I'm like 20 and clearly I know everything about the world because I'm 20. But like, <laughs> but like, I wrote that song like what? When I was like 18? Dear God, I don't want to be 18 again. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just don't want to relive that. So, cooler dates now. Yeah, cooler dates. Like, um, Color Me Mine. Oh, I love that place. It's so tight. It's so fun. It's so zen. It really is. Like, even if you just go with your friends, like, you just, like, sit there and paint. It's tight. Have you been? I I used to go to this place called Mud Pie. I was terrible at it. And the fact that I was bad. Mud Pie? It it was this place in New Jersey. Same exact concept. But I was bad at it, so it stressed me out. Got you. It wasn't zen for me. (laughs) Because unlike you, I have poor hand-eye coordination. I have no ability to, like, hold my finger and my thumb straight on a paintbrush. Right. It's a lot of stress. Yeah, I'm shaky. Got you. I can't color within the lines. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. That's okay. (laughs) Most of us can't. We're all shaky (laughs) on the inside. Thank you so much. Isn't that all of humanity? Yeah. Just shaky insides. Until we hopefully. (laughs) Everyone's unstable, dog. You're right. You're right. (laughs) We we have a lot of music. Anyway, no, go ahead. keep going. No, 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 no. I want to talk about unstable people. No, no, no. I was literally just going to say straight facts, and then like, but that was just like an two, insert. Two so. of my favorite things to talk about is Disney and unstable people. Amazing. And I could really talk about education inequality for hours. So sure, we're, we're barely into this. We have three of my favorite topics on the table. Amazing. Now. So hold on, strap on in. <laughs> um, no, we'll shift to some music here because sick. your voice is sick. Like not Thank a, you. Not in an unhealthy way, but in a very right. great way. 
not in a virusy way, just like no. Well, I mean, it infects me with goodness. <laughs> it's infectious in the right way. Gotcha. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad you think so. Uh, hey, I wouldn't tell you if I didn't believe it, because I, I f- with your music. Thanks. The record slap. Want to take this downtown? Yeah. You recommend listening to this EP top to bottom in order. Yep. What story are you wow, telling? You really know us? your stuff, dog. Oh, that's tight. I, I got eyes. I got ears. There you go. All around. That's awesome. Preparation. You know what I'm saying? What What story are you telling? What sto- Say that again. Top to bottom. What story are you telling with this EP? All right. So here's the thing, right? Um, this whole last EP was a happy accident. Most of my songs have just been total happy accidents. And like this is the prime example of that. Um, I wrote all four songs like separately or I conceived like all of these songs just kind of came to me during a certain period of time but just like I didn't like I wasn't trying to make an EP you know I get it there wasn't that intention I was just kind of writing to write um and honestly I was just like coming out of like a really dark time in my life and just like a lot of personal stuff and I kind of actually like it triggered something internally to where I ended up wanting to write things that were very light and like happy as a book because it's really interesting like I feel like a lot of artists whenever they're like going through like a a dark time a lot of that gets channeled into like really dark like darkness darkness yeah and like or you know just uh yeah just darker sounding music but it actually did the opposite for me and I just ended up wanting to write something that was lighter and just like mindless honestly and that was kind of like it started out as my escape, and so that's how I kind of wrote, or how the EP kind of came together. I was just, like, writing a lot of cute, structured, like, pop bangers with, like, really witty songwriting, you know? Or lyrics. And, um, yeah, I wrote each song separately, and then once... Then I, I, I was left with, like, four songs, and I was like, wait, actually, this could be a project. It's really funny, because I literally gave my management a f- headache like because <laughs> I, I wrote low-key and then I was like cool and they were like amazing amazing song let's put it out as a single sick literally like two weeks later I came out with like yours and yeah. they were like okay cool we'll do like a waterfall thing like a two like a b-side <laughs> single type situation look, look at you knowing the DSP lingo <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah and then then move then odds and they were just kind of like okay it's an EP like let's just put it ah <laughs> uh, you know but um, that's kind of how it came together. And I'm articulating this very yeah. scatterbrainy. I'm really sorry. But, like, yeah, it's just kind of, um, yeah, it was that, that was the process, really. Do you realize that there's a connection between these records after it's done? Yes. Sorry. That was the whole, that was my whole last trail. Like, I was trying to get to that. I completely <laughs> forgot. But, yes, all that to say, I, when I put them together, like, in my, like, to the track list, I was like, wait, this could, this actually makes sense as a single line narrative. Like, if you listen to it top to bottom, and that was a total accident. Like, I didn't even think about it, but it like makes sense. It could be all about the same person from top to bottom. Loki, yours. Loki, yours. Move, Move and odds. odds. Yes. Uh, who are they about? Are they about no. one person? Mm-mm. So, I wish I could say that, but my life is just not that interesting. <laughs> okay, so what do you channel to write a record? Like Low Key, for instance. Where are you at when you sit down to craft that? So Low Key was interesting because I, 
so I released my first EP, Zephyr, in 2018. Yes. And I was writing, I started low-key for that project. And then I wrote it and I produced it, like, just very, like, half-assed, honestly. And I was like, mm, it's all right, but it's like, nah. You know, and I just kind of got shelved for a minute. And then I went home to Indonesia, a lot of happened and then i was like i was finally back in la top of this year in january and that's when i started like writing again and my friend so i have this i had this online friend her name's Maisie peters she's amazing okay she's this british pop star yeah i know that name Maisie peters like i'm putting you on she's amazing if you don't know her already give it a goog dan yeah so Maisie and i were started out as like youtube girlfriends like, we both had a YouTube channel. Together? No. Like, oh. we were just, like, I had a YouTube channel, and she had a YouTube channel, and we, like, would post originals. Like, we were those, like, you know, like, foot-of-the-bed guitar girls. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so we just wrote songs and, like, put them up, and then one day she slid into my DMs in, like, 2015 or something like that. And she was, and that kind of started an online friendship. And literally every other week for four years, we would Skype and just, like, talk. And it was, like, really cute. And we just, like, cultivated this online friendship. Never met in real life. And then in February, she came to L.A. for the first time. Whoa. And that's when we met in real life for the first time. And she rolled up to the studio. And I was like, for some reason, I totally remembered about Low Key. And I was like, wait, I have this song that I shelved in 2018. Do you want to, like, help me, like, refurbish it? And she was like, hell yeah. So then we literally just, like, sat and wrote it. Like, rewrote it in two hours, and it was done. And that's what you hear today. Whoa. Yeah. What are the biggest changes in that record between the first version and what you do with Maisie? I just glowed the f*** up, dog. Like, (laughs) the first version, if you listen to it, just sounds, like, production-wise, because I produced it, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And my (laughs) taste has evolved since then. But it just sounded very, like, busy, and the verses just didn't flow melodically very well together, I thought. And so, yeah, we just kind of, like, cleaned it up, made it sparser, and just, like, wittier and better. So is this the only record you do with Maisie? Yeah. That was, like, our first little baby together. Look at that. I know, right? From best friends on the internet. Dude, it's crazy. Skype friends. Yeah. Creative collaborators. Yeah, we would literally, like, play guitar and, like, sing each other, like, songs that we wrote that week. And then we would, like, joke about, like, oh, my God, how cool would it be, like, if someday you and I both, like, made it. <laughs> and then, like, now she's signed to Atlantic and she's touring. It's, like, That's crazy. know the name. By the way, isn't that why the internet is awesome? Dude, that is, like, the pro- that is, like, the epitome of why. There was nobody that you saw on internet on the <laughs> There's nobody that you've seen on the internet or saw on the internet previous that you're uh-huh. like, if this person can make it using this thing, I can too. Nobody proved to you that it was possible before you dove in and starting putting covers up? No. Oh, for sure. No, I had a lot of internet, like, um, inspirations, for sure. Like, cover most people? of them. Cover people, yeah. Like, I could name some. I don't know if you know who Dodie is. Have you heard of the oh, name Dodie? Oh, yeah. I know. I don't know Dodie. I know Dodie, yes. Yes. Dodie is tight, but she, I, like, watched her, like, literally while she had the grungy hair and, like, the ukulele in, like, 2014. Like, I've been a fan since then. And then I ended up meeting her, too. So it's just, dude, the internet is awesome, honestly. It's just, like, (laughs) brings people together. 
Okay, you can play the guitar, the ukulele. You can play uh, keys. Yeah. You tickle the ivories. Yes. Um, do you produce? Do you collaborate with production? Because I feel like your production is pretty spot on, at least with the Thank EP. Thank you. Thank you. Because your voice is so pure and it kind of stands on its own. I feel Aww. like it, it sounds, it probably would sound, it does sound amazing with nothing. But like that's the trick with production, right? When you have great vocals, production can either f*** it up. Oh, totally. Royally. Absolutely. Or enhance it beautifully. For sure. It's a balance. Facts. Do you work with the same person? Do you work with different people every record? Yeah. So, I mean, the reason that I feel like Sean. So Sean is my manager, also the CEO of 88 Rising. Cool. Um, I feel like the reason he even signed me or was drawn to my music in the first place was because, like, I feel like the pattern with Sean signed artists are just like self sufficiency. Is that is that the word sufficiency or yeah. sufficiency? No, self sufficiency. You said it better than me, but you're self sufficiency. Right anyway, do it on your own. That's I'm, what you're trying to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't English sometimes, but um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but yeah, I was just very like I. I just. I feel like I am still the epitome of just, like, a bedroom kid. I just worked off of my laptop and, like, headphones forever. Um, and the reason that I even got into production was because my YouTube channel, I used to record my voice and, like, my guitar on GarageBand. Like, oh. I, I would use GarageBand just for that, like, for that purpose. And then sync it with the video? Yeah. And then one day... I ac- literally accidentally, like, clicked a button or something, and it revealed the sound library... Like in GarageBand, oh. and I was like, "Wait!" And there was like bass lines and drum sounds and like all these things. I was like, "Whoa, I can do this!" So then I started layering my voice and my guitar with all those samples, and that's how I got into production. It was like another happy accident, truly. Um, and then after that, I kind of moved on to Logic, and then that's what I use now. But I started out like my career just kind of producing everything. Like all, most of Zephyr, I produced totally independently, and. Yeah, and then Want to Take This Downtown, I produced most of them, and then I just had, like, different producers add some stuff. So, okay. YouTube, obviously, is the place that you start, but none of your, most of your covers, Mm -hmm. not available right now. We cannot, we cannot find them. Mm -mm. A bedroom kid has scrubbed the internet clean of her videos from the bedroom. Yes, yes healthy for you to do something that you needed to do to move forward totally um because i used to go by my birth name and i that was just i used to make really like acoustic like folky indie sounding music which i still am very very much drawn yeah, to and there's hints of that in your stuff oh thank really yeah interesting yeah thanks i take that as a compliment but um yeah i was really drawn to that sort of music because before I started producing, um, I just felt like my creative playground was in lyricism. Like, that's where it lied for me. So I just felt like like folky, indie, like acoustic songs. Like, usually the lyricism is just very, like, poetic and very metaphorical and, you know, with lots of vivid imagery. And I really loved that because I was also just like an English literature nerd. Like I loved that, like that was my favorite subject in school. And we like read a lot of, you know, just your classics like Shakespeare and, you know, Oscar Wilde and all these people. And that's kind of how I started writing songs was just 
in that kind of format. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I started writing. Really, it was just because it was fun for me. So, do you not want your covers up there so people can solely focus on the originals and those stories? Yes, and here's okay. I deleted the covers because I just felt like I was I was just trying to rebrand myself, honestly. And I get I just, it. Yeah, and because I literally jumped from like that kind of music to like <laughs> like you know and like see you never. <laughs> And, like, it was, like, super R&B, just, like, trapped out. And I was just kind of, like, this, I don't feel like it makes sense cohesively. No, yeah, there was no transition there. No. I, I didn't, like, yeah, I didn't uh, sugarcoat my approach. No, I just kind of, I was, like, peace out, you know? I was just, like, bye. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, it, was, it wasn't the most elegant transition, but... You know, that's where it got me here. So, but, but now you're kind of out of that, right? Because, oh yeah, like YouTube. No, but but now, oh. like, even with want to take want to take this downtown. Yeah, I I mean, I get R and B from it in certain elements. Sure, but I still he- I don't hear you know all those derogatory words that you just totally. spewed. <laughs> <laughs> right. So two things. When I wrote "See You Never," "See You Never" was my first single with '88. I wasn't even signed. They just kind of distributed it for me. Um, I wrote that very just like from a super angry vindictive like 18 year old postgraduate place you know about like my ex-boyfriend and I was like ah you so I just like wrote it started out as a letter that I was gonna send to him really yeah and then it just kind of ended up being that song so I don't cuss nearly as much because thankfully I don't run into um situations situations like that anymore (laughs) but um yeah and then Want to Take This Downtown is more pop, I would say. Yeah. Because that, here's the thing. I just get very, like, inspired depending on, like, the time in my life complemented, like, coupled with, like, who I'm listening to during that era. And that era was very much, like, pop for me. I was listening to a lot of, like, underground, like, pop people. And I was just really drawn to uh, just kind of, like, that structured ABAB rhyme scheme and just very like clever dichotomous lyricism. Huh. Like I love that. You really break this down like a science. Oh, for sure. That's like half of the fun for me. You know, in like songwriting. Um is it important that all your songs start from some place of reality or can it come from like an imaginary story? Oh, it yeah, it's both it's always both. It's never like one thing. I just, like, low-key, for example, was totally imaginary. Like, nothing, nothing that, right. that wasn't based on, like, one specific night that happened or anything like that. It was just kind of like, let's write a cute, you know, anthem that just kind of like, yeah, it's like the anthem of uh, just youth, really. Does the guy know that that song, the one that started with the letter, is about him? I think so. You never told him? You should have sent that in the honestly, middle of the stamp on it. Honestly, I really blocked out yeah. a lot of that, like a lot of that era, like from my head. But I think he knows. I'm pretty sure I told him at some point. But yeah, honestly. Interesting. Who's to say? He should be flattered. No, I mean, he should be. Yeah, it's a, it's a bop. Yeah, great record. But also it's like a piece of history written about him. No, exactly. It's just kind of like, like. I've immortalized you in a way. Yeah, that's a blessing. Yeah, even though I called you a but... Whatever. It's like, at least you're an immortalized now. 
you know? Hey. <laughs> He's down to last forever. Zach Sancho. Hey, beautiful human, real quick. If you're considering going back to school, you should ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits that you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University could be the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers 200 highly ranked degree programs, 100% online. You're going to earn the same degree as you would on campus from wherever you are on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. If you want more information, text my name. Zach to 35517. That is Zach to 35517. So you can learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 87% of ASU grads are recruited within, 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 within 90 days of graduation. That's a big number. 87% of the graduates, they get a job in 90 days. Learn to grow, learn to succeed. And learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU online degrees, text Zach to 35517. That is Z-A-C-H to 35517. <sighs> Knowledge is power. Zach Sancho. Do you remember the first song you ever wrote? My first song was in English. And, oh God, it was horrible. What was it about? Okay, so that song was truly just like when that... <laughs> that encapsulated the time where I discovered that rhyming was a thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you can do this with words. That's tight. And so I just like, the song makes absolutely no cohesive sense. Like it's, yeah. If I say, I don't even remember it, but if I were to, I'm pretty sure you'd just be like, what? What was it called? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, it was called Somewhere in the Sky. Interesting. Yeah. I can remember it melodically, but I cannot remember, like, it must have been, like, in uh, like in the middle of the day. <laughs> and then just, like, I rhyme day with, like, play and say and all these things. I was like, oh, this is tight. And that's when I started writing songs. Were you already doing covers at this point? No, I was, I was in the, I was nine. Oh, wow. My, I wrote my first song when I was nine in the fourth Fetus. grade. Yeah. That was very shortly after my mom got me my first guitar. And I wrote, I'm pretty sure I wrote that song the same day. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Look at that. The day something real was created. The start of. Your whole life changes from that moment on. Think about that. Facts. That's it was, wild. That was like a pivotal moment. It's like, all right, do this you, is what I'm doing now. Do you remember who taught you about YouTube? No, I, I think like a lot of my friends were just like on YouTube and then I just kind of like learned how to use it really. Yeah. I remember when, oh, YouTube used to have a rating system. You remember that? The stars. The stars. Oh yeah. Whoa. That's old. <laughs> yeah. That was what, that was my entry into YouTube was like when the star system was a thing. Whoa. Yeah. That's, I mean, that had that's to have been. Old. Like 2009 or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Even a little bit earlier, probably 2008. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift, do you like her? Yes. You you opened for her 2014. I did, indeed. Was she nice? She was very nice. She was super chill. Like, I didn't really get to talk to her that much, but she was really cool. Like, she, like, greeted me backstage and was just super casual and nonchalant about it. And I was like, 
you know, almost like hyperventilated and died, died, <laughs> but it's like fine. She just kind of like, it's really cute. Like we didn't even get like a green room. We literally, <laughs> they just like sectioned off like a corner of the hallway <laughs> with like drapes and was like, here's your green room. I was like, okay, cool. Like I was 15. So I was like, yeah, this is f***ing sick. They could have given you a box. Like, exactly. You know, but no, it was really cute. And I was just like sitting it was like i was sitting there with like my band and my mom just like about to go on like you know kind of freaking out and then just like a hand elegantly pushes the drapes back she pushed her own drapes yes oh my god nobody did it for her that's, she just did it herself that says so much about her right so she just goes like this and she's like hi i'm taylor I'm going to vomit. And I literally just, like, looked at her. I, like, did a, like, it was a double take. Like, I could not believe my eyes. I was just like, oh, my God, you know? And I just kind of, like, fainted, but it was fine. Wow. Yeah, but, like, she was, you know, that was cool that she, like, even greeted me. Because I didn't even expect that to happen. I'm surprised that she pushed her own drape. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? I would have totally she used assumed, her own hand. Yeah, like I would have totally assumed she had a drape guy. Like, <laughs> a drape guy? <laughs> yeah. Or at least a door person, like a portal oh, person. No. Handles all portals of any sort for Taylor Swift. She was she was very, very kind and wow. very humble. What are you thinking over there, Dan? I know so, you're you're stewing. Oh yeah, of course, the whole time. Um so how did you join 88 Rising? Okay, so see you never. We talked about that. Yes. Um so Brian and I became friends because Brian's also rich. Brian is also Indonesian. So we met in Jakarta. Funnily enough, he found out about me through my YouTube channel. So Internet, (laughs) the Internet, you dig. But um, (laughs) anyway, so like he found me and then he commented, apparently, but I like never saw the comment. (laughs) So like he DMs me (laughs) and he was like, hey, you're really talented. And then that started a conversation and then. Um, he was like, you should come to the studio sometime and, like, hang out. So then we, I went to the studio. That's the first time I ever met him, and I, like, played him some songs. And then that just kind of started this, like, music friendship. So basically whenever he, like, would make a demo, he would send it to me, and I would, you know, vice versa. And we just, like, shared music that way. And then one day I wrote See You Never, and literally it was just, like, two stems in, like, my pro- logic project. It was just, like, the chords and the sh- drum beat you could ever imagine like the so bad and i sent that to him with all the words and he was like yo i hear this in my head like a certain way can you can you please just like send me the stems and i just like want to do something over it i was like yeah of course like i was stoked didn't think anything of it he sent it back i was like this is amazing i love this great and that was it like i was like about i was moving on with my life i was about to graduate you know like and then little, unbeknownst to me, he sends it to Sean. Your manager. Yes. Well, his manager at the time. Yeah. Just to show, you know, just to show him. And Sean ended up really liking the song. And then he was like, okay, get me on a call with her. So then all three of us Skyped. And then he was like, yeah, we want to put this on on our channel. And I was like, sick. Like, this is f***ing <laughs> tight, you know, because 88 was super underground then. Yeah. But like... It was, like, big enough in Indonesia because, like, people... Yeah, if you knew, you knew. Yeah. And anyway, so it got published. That music video was done with literally no budget. I'm telling you, no budget. (laughs) Zero dollars. Like, it was super DIY. My friends and I just made it in Jakarta. 
And yeah, like most of those shots were totally like by chance. As a little girl who didn't grow, like as a little girl who grew up not seeing representation in media, what does it feel like when you get that invitation to join a group like 88 Rising? I mean, dude, it was it was so surreal. I feel like to this day, I'm still kind of processing everything Um, like. Yeah, it just didn't really, you know, it's really interesting because. I don't think that I ever realized how underrepresented like Asians were in like mainstream media till until I joined forces with 88 and I was like exposed to just like the lack of, you know, representation. And at the same time, some incredible talent that. Oh, absolutely. They're going to be the ones who represent. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just been the absolute like it's just been my absolute like honor to be on this and like I say that wholeheartedly everyone everyone on 88 88 started out so small and like it really just like feels like a family and this the this setup is so unorthodox because it's a label and a management and like a media company all in one so like people genuinely like care about one another and like I genuinely have friendships with my label mates. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, there's only, like, what, eight of us on the roster. And it's just, like, we we went on tour together. And I, I could genuinely call them my friends. And, yeah, like, Sean and just, like, all of everybody that works for him and on 88, you know, everyone just really cares about everybody's personal artistic visions. But also, greater than that, like we all recognize that there's like there's a mission to accomplish like a social mission yeah you're ushering in change absolutely and we're just trying to be a part of that that catalyst as much as we can why do you think 88 rising's been able to be so successful <sighs> honestly like i just don't think that there's been an asian like a like a company dedicated specifically like for Asian talents, like in America. Like, I think this has been the first just like, and I could be wrong. Here's the thing is like, I don't think so. I don't want to like say, cause I honestly, I'm not really familiar with like America, like, uh, you know, yeah. um, the American like industries, like history. But I think that this is like the first, um, collective and just label that's like done that successfully. And, yeah, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't really have an answer. Just kind of like, it was a big, big blessing, truly. Yeah. Now, uh, head of, head in the clouds too. Yeah. You said you guys are all friends. So who comes up with the idea originally to do the first album? Oh, that was, that was Sean's idea. Like, okay. yeah, that's the thing. Like, Sean is very, he's like my, like my bruncle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Your brother uncle? Yeah. Like, that's what he, yeah, he's like my bronco. And <laughs> you dude, I don't down. know, I don't know if he'd get offended by, if like, call, if, you know, like by uncle. So I'll, I'm just going to say brother. He's like a brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we're all homies. And so we just kind of like worked collectively. Like we always kind of like collaborate on ideas and, you know, um, visions and whatnot. But he had the original kind of like head in the clouds vision and then he was just like what do you guys think and we're like yeah it's fire it's like wu-tang clan you know what i'm saying just kind of like you know when 
You know, and like, like the high school musical soundtrack and like all the kids would get excited because like Gabriella's on a song with Sharp- Sharpay, yes. but then like Sharpay's also on a song with Troy but and it's like this whole thing. Also, do you remember those like Disney Channel volume, like where the Disney no. Channel stars sang the Disney songs? Facts, facts, facts. Exactly. Uh, like the greatest albums of all time. The opinion. greatest, like everyone was so stoked, and like yes. that's that's how that's first that's that was kind of the goal was to do that, and yeah, um, it was just kind of like it was a really cool process. It felt like summer camp with all the boys. Um, yeah, like what do you learn from that? Like working with so many different creatives all at once, and yeah, and there's a lot of visions that need to be in line for sure. Give and take, facts, and it's it's really cool. I, I want to also add, like, it's, it adds a different dynamic, too, that I'm female. You want to say, weird being the, the only girl? It, you know, it is, it's, <sighs> I, I'm so desensitized to that at this point. Like, unfortunately, like, that, it's just a male-dominated industry right now. And, like, that's just what it is. And I don't say that passively, like, I'm not going to do anything about it, like, I've just come to, like, accept that that is the reality. And so, like, yeah, I'm just, uh, I like, just the fact that I am female and, like, my presence is, like, like, that I have a presence, I just feel like that is already enough to, like, say something, I guess. Because, like, dude, I'm just trying to break stereotypes, especially regarding Asian females, like, I'm just tired. Like, we're just all f-ing sick of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're not all submissive and just, like, boring. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I was just going to say, what's the biggest stereotype you want to break? I, For me, it's definitely just, like, the docile, demure, like, submissive, we'll do whatever, you know, like, uh-huh. cooks for you. Like, yeah. Like, that. I'm. that's the narrative that we've been told forever. And I just feel like that's the narrative that's been, like, fed to us that we kind of like um subconsciously kind of like internalize it too you know what i'm saying yeah, oh totally yeah you become it because that's what you're around exactly and that's what you're being told and fed exactly and i just think that yeah i just kind of wanted to not like I, I yeah i just wanted to separate myself from that and also another thing is i just want like asian kids like not just females but like asian kids in general to like see us and what we're doing and like see that you like the arts are an option for you because like that hasn't really been culturally like recognized or even talked about you know well and, and that's why i asked like who told you that you could do this who gave you nobody hope? who made it like, like real honestly i just kind of made that i went out on a limb and i just made the decision to do this myself dude i was in college like I moved to the U.S. in 2017 to pursue a tertiary education. Like, I was going to get a degree and all that, you know, hoopla and whatever. Is that, the, is that a word? Hoopla, yeah. Hoopla, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, look at me and all my, my you're, big you're, words. You're American. <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, another, sorry, Go. super tangential. But um, whatever. another word that reminds me of that word is, is it chutzpah? Yeah, chutzpah. You got chutzpah, kid. How do you, like, Hutz- why is it spelled with a C, though? It's like verklempt and uh, agita. I don't know what that is. Like, ooh, Are you Jewish? Giving me stress. Nah, so I wish. He talks like a Jewish grandma. Dude, uh, you know how many people think I'm a member of the tribe? It's the greatest compliment I've ever received. <laughs> 
Okay, more people tell me Lashana Tova than actually wish me Happy New Year on January 1st. So, I love that. Um, chutzpah. Chutzpah, yeah. You Hoopla, got chutzpah. all these things. I love these words. Yeah, it's Yiddish. Oh, got you. You're a yenta. There you go. You blend right in. But um, anyway, what were we talking about this? Before this? Uh, I don't uh, know. It's all a bunch of hoopla. Um, I don't know. Uh, man, wait, I'm so no. sorry. Uh, do you yeah. remember? Well, you you were talking... Uh, was it Asian? I forget how you got there. Yeah, I forgot too. Oh yeah, you were in college. You uh, yes. Where'd you go to school? I went to school in Nashville. Also be in Nashville, which is one of the writing capitals of the exactly. world. Exactly. So it's like I really saw no downsides to it like in the beginning. And then I just like lived there and everything closed at nine. And it was kind of like, what? <laughs> like, dude, it was crazy. Like, it, it really is a nine to five city. What do you learn about music living in Nashville and going to like college? Um, honestly, in that, like when I was in Nashville, I, so, okay, it's really interesting. Like when I was in college, it got to a point where, so it started in November of 2017. That was my first semester. And I went to LA and this was like before I got like fully, fully signed with 88, but I was involved with them. And they were just kind of like, oh, you're in LA. Cool. We'll just like put you to work. And originally I was going to go to like for like a cute little Friendsgiving with my friends, to, like to LA. And that did not end up happening. I went to like the studio. I wrote songs. I went, like shot a music video for like a song that was going to come out. <laughs> like all these, th- like in the span of a week. And then at the end of that week, Sean was like, all right, we're going to sign you. And so I was like, oh my God, like this is happening. Because I, ne- that's the thing. I don't really like, I'm not one to like plan ahead. Like, you know what I'm saying? You just my live. capacity for like planning ahead. Planning ahead expires, like, at, like, one year. It just, like, stops there. You know? Like, I don't think... So, I was just, like... I never really thought that anything would really come to fruition. I thought that I would just, like, put out, like, singles. And, you know? Like, I didn't really think about it. And so, when that happened, it just, like, hit me. Like, this wave of reality. It's like, bro, you need to, like... You need to grow the up and, like, figure out what you want to do. Like, you have to just, like, figure it out. And I, I'm again, I was just I was just like very hard on myself and I'm working on it, but I was just kind of like figure it out. So I made a phone call to my dad who lives in Indonesia and paid for my education and was just kind of like he was like not having like <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I was like, so, dad, you know, that like YouTube channel that like I started, it just kind of like snowballed into this whole thing. And I want to do music, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like I'm going to drop out now. Yeah. But um. He was, like, could not even begin to, like, wrap his head. Because low-key, I did everything, like, without telling my parents. So they didn't know about YouTube or anything like that? They they... did, but they always saw it as, like, a hobby. And then you went to L.A. without telling them? Oh, no. They they knew that I went to L.A. And, like, I didn't lie. Like, I went to L.A. to, like, have a Friendsgiving with my friends. Like, I didn't. You just happened to. It just happened to, like, I just happened to get put to work, you know? (laughs) So it's like, yeah. But I... It didn't really, like, think about, like, I, I never thought that I would have to, like, have this big conversation with my parents until, like, later or something. Mm. But it, it just kind of, like, really put me, yeah, in just this place where I just, like, have to decide. You have to address it. So yeah. How do you convince your dad that leaving school is the right thing? Dude, it was, like, it took a long time. So that was the first phone call. And that was a very tearful conversation because he was just, like, not understanding it. And he was like, I don't want to talk about this over the phone. Come home, like, for Christmas, and we'll talk about it, like, in person. 
And so then we had a lunch and he was like, I don't really understand it yet, but like, I'm going to keep an open mind and I'm going to let you prove it to me. And I was like, sick. That's all I need. So then I came back to the States and I was like half in college, half in LA. Got it. More in LA. And like, (laughs) I ended up like not going to class and that, yeah, basically like my, it, it was just this whole mess. But anyway, all that to say, I ended up calling my dad like that year, like April of 20, yeah, of 20, last year. I was kind of like, dad, uh, I'm going to drop out. Like, I really can't do this anymore. And he was just like, yeah, I saw it coming. Like, I felt it. And he was like, you know what? Like, go do it. Because like, you're not going to be. I don't want you to be stuck in something where, like, you find absolutely, like, no happiness or no joy or and passion. And even, even the FOMO of what could be would totally ruin the school experience. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, no, so I was very blessed that my dad eventually came around. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was a process. And it really took a lot of, like, courage and just kind of, like, a lot of risk-taking. Cause, and that's the thing. That's kind of, like, what I want to articulate too it's like we're all about like yes achieve your dreams like you can do this too but it's also like listen you will have to make compromises you will have to work hard you will have sacrifices will be made like it's not an easy joy it's not all glitz and glam you know what i'm saying and so but like if you're willing to do that and if you're passionate about it then can do it you know what i'm saying it's like i didn't even think twice like i was like okay i'm going to drop out like i like, and that's the thing. I don't want this to be like, like stay in school, kids. Okay. Like if you're supposed to be in school, then anyway. I dropped out. No, but you, you got it. You, but what you're saying is true, right? You can feel like you're great at something. You're, you yeah. need to do something, but it's not just going to happen. Sacrifices need to be made. For sure. You get what you give in many aspects of life. And yeah. I think a passion that you want to turn into a career is totally. one of those things. Yeah. You can't have everything. Exactly. And that applies to, like, all other, like, professions, too. It's not just, like, arts. You know what I'm saying? It's like you just have to work your ass off. Anything that takes focus and your time and your energy and, uh, yeah. And really, I think what it turns uh, comes down to is, like, maybe being able to take your passion and turning it into a career. Totally. Because it's those types of moments. They're they're rare for a reason. True. Because it's hard. It is hard. And and really the hardest part is making those sacrifices and being brave enough to turn your back on what everybody around you does. Like when everybody goes right and you're taught to go right and yep. you're brainwashed throughout your life to go right and then you choose to go left. Yeah. It's in those moments that like can either like crumble or it can reward you. Yeah. And then you don't know things like this happen. Yeah. F- yeah. Yeah. Have you uh, proved it to your dad yet? Oh, yeah. He's like low key like my Indonesian business manager now. Like yeah. he's just like... On email threads with my real managers. Just like, hey, how's it going? You know, it's really cute. Checking in. Yeah. You know, managing your massive portfolios and investments. Yeah. He's like, oh, this person hit me up today. And I was just like, oh, dad. (laughs) You know? No, but he's fully, like, come around. And I've just been very blessed. Like, my family's super supportive. They came to Head in the Clouds, and that was crazy. What did that mean to you? Oh, that meant (laughs) everything. The, like, biggest amount, like, crazy amounts of pressure i was just like oh my god you know but at the same time no it it meant everything like they really flew out from indo to just like see me in action like it was it was tight 
It's yeah. a long flight just to see you. I know, right? Wow. Yeah, me, their daughter. <laughs> you just like put it in a way that's like, oh, that's like such a big sacrifice. But it's like, you know, it is, but also like I am your flesh and blood, so. You created me. Yeah. Zach Sang Show. I got these on Deal Dash. Yeah. Here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Deal Dash. This is a flashlight that I got from Deal Dash. I should stop waving it around. Deal Dash is pretty great. When I was first, like, totally exploring the internet, I came across these bidding websites early on, like 2008, 2009. I was just trying to get stuff cheap, and I was a kid, and they all scammed me. And then Deal Dash was born. They have rethought what it means to bid for things online. They've created a fair community, a fair place for you to actually spend your money honestly and to get really cool stuff in the process for a much cheaper price. If you're interested at all in like exploring what Deal Dash is and what it means to bid on something, DealDash.com exists. There's going to be a link in the bio. They have reimagined what it means to bid. I want to wave this around because I'm so passionate about them. But that is not a good thing. I got this speaker. It's pretty cool from Deal Dash as well. Um, but always free shipping when you use Deal Dash. I can try this stuff out and then return it. I have 90 days to do that. Plus, they're offering hundreds of auctions every single day on a ton of different stuff. Want a dashboard camera? I got one of those from Deal Dash. Sunglasses with many frames. I got one of those from Deal Dash. It's uh, pretty cool. If you're actually interested in trying it out, I got a pretty cool deal for you. Right now, you can go to DealDash.com and get 100 bids with your first bid pack purchase. Go to DealDash.com and just enter the code ZACKSANG right now. DealDash.com. Zach saying you can start bidding today. By the way, people have gotten iPads for less than $24. They've spent $11 on televisions. Oh, 4K TVs? They've got it for under $2. DealDash.com. They literally have everything. And it's really the only place to bid fairly. Zach Sang Show. <laughs> In- Indigo, that's the first song off Head in the Clouds too, right? Yes. Okay, so what does Indigo have to do with the song? Because Indigo oh, is the color, right? Yes. Okay. So, uh, I like, okay, I want, whenever I write songs, I always want to keep it open to interpretation, so I even hesitate to, like, explain it, but I will for the purposes of this interview. I'll I do it. I appreciate that. You know, I'll be a team player. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, obviously it can mean whatever you want it to mean, but Indigo, to me, in this song means, like, the night sky. Mm. Like, it's just a metaphor for the night sky. So when I say, how far out does the indigo go, I talk about the sky. How but, far out does the sky go? Yeah, but that's but that whole line is another metaphor for just kind of like, are we going to let ourselves be confined by the rules, or are we just going to, like, challenge all the borderlines and, like, say, f*** them and, like, do whatever we want? That's kind of, like, the metaphor. Ooh. Yeah. How far can you push something? Exactly. I was like, how far out does the indigo go? Because the line before that sets it up. It's like, tonight, let's test all the borderlines. Like, how far out does the indigo go? But honestly, I'm super deeping it out right now. But when I wrote that, that was just me literally spitballing, like, syllables. And it just made sense. So that's really how these things start a lot of times. Yeah. It's just kind of like, 
honestly, sometimes it doesn't start out super deep. And then obviously, like, my goal as a songwriter is to make sure that there is, like, some value to what I say. You know what I'm saying? Like, or not some, like, actually a lot of value to what I say. Um, But, yeah. uh, But usually it starts out with just, like, random, just off the top of my head, like, phrases. Like, that. That was one of those cases. I was just kind of like, they played the beat, and then I was like, and that's how it started. The opening line in that song is so good. <laughs> Thank you. You know, Thank I'm you. tight, right? Yeah. So where, where'd that one come from? Did that just that kind of one, pop into the head? Yeah, honestly, like I was just so I, that's for that song specifically. I wrote the chorus first, and then I wrote the the verse. So that was like that was just the first thing that came to my mind. I can't. Rem- I may have been inspired by something, but I can't remember. But yeah, I've always wanted to say something baller like that in a song, you know? Dude, it's funny because, like, Indigo is such a boss-ass anthem. And it's, like, just, it's, like, character development. Because, like, in the beginning, like, because in in Indigo, I say, let's let's go downtown and get real high, you know? And, like, I just joke about it (laughs) because I went from want to take this downtown to let's take this downtown. It's, like, let's f***ing go, you know, it's just like, it's really funny. But, but do um, you change to match this? Say that again. Are you a more badass bitch between Here's the thing. Indigo and the last EP? <sighs> or is this like this character that you build that you kind of live through? Yeah, I mean, like, I would like to think that I am a boss ass bitch in certain ways, but I just, you know, there are days where I just want, I don't know, like, I'm very PG 13 most of the time, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, I... So some days you ask to go downtown, and other days you demand it? Yeah. Depends on how I'm feeling, but this one, I was just kind of like, maybe if I just, like, manifest this and live vicariously through, like, this boss-ass version of me, (laughs) maybe it'll, like, internalize and just, like, there'll be, like, an intrinsic switch that, like, turns on. It's like, oh, yeah, you are that But, yeah, that's why you listen to Lizzo. Yeah. Lizzo is that for you, you know? But, yeah. She's 100% that bitch. 100% that bitch. What is your type? He's asking Ooh. for a friend. <laughs> I'm just asking. Asking for a friend? Just a question. No, himself. Um, I don't have a type. Truly. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that is the only thing. Anyway. Uh, no, I really don't. It's all about, like connection and chemistry and all that cliches mm. like cliche shit, but yeah that's really what it is do you for creative purposes want love or not want love we all want love zach yeah but like creatively people i feel like <laughs> sometimes artists want love and then they want heartbreak and i feel like sometimes oh. people want heartbreak more than they want actual love interesting no I don't stand by that. That's a little self-destructive to me. I'm trying to stray away from that because I've been that. And it's just like, but I will say heartbreak does, you know, kind of spearhead a lot of like baller ass tracks and songwriting. But um, no, I like love. So you want love. I do want love. We all do. I wish that for you. Thank you. Is this whole uh, color thing just a coincidence? With you guys, like, Brian has yellow, you had indigo, <laughs> Joji has pink. Yeah, that was a total... Co- I've seen that in comments, and I'm just like, man, people just find hella connections. They but yeah, sure do. That was truly, yeah, just but an if accident. It, if it's also the first song off the collective album, why are you the only person on it? Yeah, so, honestly, that's a Sean question. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, 
I wrote that. And um, yeah, I mean, like, it's not, this isn't new. Like, in our first Head in the Clouds album, we had, a lot of us had, like, solo songs. Mm-hmm. So Sean just, I guess he liked this one the best. No, I'm just kidding. Don't put that in. But um, <laughs> no, he, yeah, so I just kind of, I think it was the earliest, it was the first one that was done. Okay. So I kind of showed it to him, like, way early on. He was like, yeah, this is tight. Let's put it out. I love the fact that you guys do collective albums because it's very community driven. I really support. I, I love that. Yeah, no, it's great. I it's, think community is important for sure, and it's like they're like three brains versus like one brain. You yes. know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you can create the world when people come together and collaboration happens. Anything is possible. Facts. Teamwork makes the dream work. Giddy up. Okay, <laughs> head in the clouds too. When is it all coming out? I don't. Je- I need a date right now. Jackie, you can must, we talk about that? You must give me a date. Head of the- <laughs> Jackie looks so peaceful and quaint and like... <laughs> Head in the clouds too. Wait, have we, have we announced it? Anyway, let's. I guess like I can't say a date. Let's just say like, yeah. Oh, this says uh, on the internet, it says Friday, October 11th. Oh, all right. Friday, October 11th. There you go. You know more than I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan Google's a lot. It says it was posted six hours ago. Oh, uh, oh, that's why. <laughs> amazing! <laughs> October eleventh, Head of the Clouds two. Great. Is it a part two or just two? It's just two. Head of the Clouds two. Yeah. Two. And two. We have an EP out. Yeah. Maybe another album from you. Yeah, yeah. I'm currently working on my debut album. Whoa. So. Yeah, I'm just taking my sweet time on it, honestly. I don't release date as TBD, but yeah. You can't write, rush greatness, right? <laughs> Slow Facts. and steady. Dude. Where are you at now as you're writing? Different place? For sure. Then? Yeah, it's this one, this project is very conceptual, and I'm writing from like a lens of a character. That's what I'll, that's all I'll say. Exciting. Yeah, it's a lot more about, uh, Looking inward and outward, but it's like, you know, in the past, my my songs have been, you know, about like young love. And these are just like themes that just like constantly pervade music, which is tight. Like everybody relates to love, you know, but um, yeah, this one's going to be a lot more personal and introspective. But personal, but through a character? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hmm. I'm excited. You'll 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 see. Well, come back and hang. For sure. Thanks for having me. We'll dissect it until there's no more album left. Amazing. And I know everything. I just had a question. Feast Mansion. Yeah. So is that a real house or like what is is it just a YouTube channel? Like I'm so confused. Can I say that, Jackie? Like can I reveal that it's a real house? Yeah, of course you can. But is, is it a real house? It is a real house. Okay. But I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, so. Mm. Disclaimer, I'm sorry if what I you, outed you guys. What do you do in this house? You create feasts. You eat? It's a feast mansion. Yeah, have you seen that channel? Wait, hold on. Wait. Zach. No. It's what? a big channel where it's they It's a huge channel, yeah. <laughs> Apparently I'm not cool enough, but how do I go? <laughs> I love food. You can't go. You just you get invited to go and that's where, you know, you you create things and they film you. And, we, and then we watch it on YouTube. And then you watch it on YouTube. Maybe I have, but do they do the ASMR style microphone? Do they record me while I eat it? No. 
It's not a mukbang, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sure maybe someday they'll venture into those kind of, like, I don't know if they'll venture into that. Do but. they cook the food for me or do I cook it? No. No, you cook it. Oh, I can't. I don't want to go. Yeah. I can't cook myself anything. Well, usually there's another expert there oh. that, like, helps you out. Oh. But, like, yeah. Yeah, she's done, like, these uh, ra- the ramen one. The ramen one, And yes. then the boba Indomie. one. Yep. <sighs> yep. Ricky was talking about this. I yes. About it. Yep. Yeah. She did. I can't believe you've never seen these videos. I know. I feel... But I probably have and i haven't even realized it that's okay sorry sorry youtube community please don't judge me <laughs> and if there's an expert there to help me cook the food i would love to come amazing you're probably were never thinking about inviting me anyway not and now it, and it's okay if you keep it that way but i'd probably say yes if you invited me because i have nothing else going on okay i'm gonna shut the f- up now um <laughs> nikki thanks for hanging out thanks Thank for having you. me you guys it's been a pleasure also good to know that like uh is zephyr connected to your real last name yeah. Cool. That's so funny that you like caught that. Nobody's ever caught that. You know, I was reading the, uh, I was listening to the album. And yeah. Then it wasn't until I saw like your full name that I was like, in this, while we we're talking now, yep. that I was like, I was wondering why it'd be Zephyr. Yeah. It was, that was truly, yeah. I was just kind of like, let's do a play on thing, like with my name. But yeah. Also, on the flip side, like Zephyr, not on the flip side, but like a second part to that is Zephyr. Like Zephyr means like gentle breeze. And it was just kind of like, that's what it means. I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. English lesson from a non, like, native English, like, person. Mm. Or not English, but, like, English speaking. Dude, help me. I'm scrambling. <laughs> no, no, you got, you I, you're got teaching it. me how to speak. <laughs> I can't help you. Dude, sometimes, you, you know, I just, Look, we, can't, we can't talk sometimes. Well, that's good to know that that's what it meant because I thought it was just a, what do they call, uh, you know, the blimps. Nah. Zephyr blimp. Mm-mm. And then we have like a piece of technology called a Zephyr, but now it's a gentle wind. Well, gentle wind. Knowledge is power. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks what? for having me. <laughs> What's that? Air <laughs> handshake. This is really good. I recently learned how to dap it too. Whoa. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just the universal male handshake. Yeah. I, I don't trust my hands. I can't do it's it. It's like. That's uh, it. Dap yourself. And then can you snap? Like, Will do you, you s- snap? Because I've seen people do that like. I can't snap. No, I don't. I snap weird. It looks really inappropriate, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> do you want to see it? Yes. Yeah, I want to hear. So people snap, like, upwards like that. Yeah. I snap like that. Whoa. Whoa. Ooh, that was violent. But it just looks bad, so. Yeah, your thumb, yeah. The thumb just goes through something. You got an ugly snap. I really do. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so, like, in my Indigo video, I snap. Those are all fake. <laughs> Somebody else's hands? No, th- they were my hands, oh. but the director just, like, I like snapped my way and he was like mm, like can we just snap like try to snap regularly and I was like okay <laughs> cool snap like a normal person. Dude, what finger do you use to snap my middle one me too but I don't go you go uh, your thumb goes up mine just goes through yeah you're what the f- I can't okay but that's why I can't snap very hard well I'm really sorry it's okay you'll figure it out one day I will as we all will I believe in you. Thank you. Snaps. Snaps for me. No, no, no. no. I don't want to see you do it. We'll, we'll snap for you. You don't need to snap for yourself. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast.